Amen. Let me pray for us. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I have to tell you that I think that our church calendar and the way it is laid out, the scriptures that we hear from Sunday to Sunday throughout the church year, is very interesting this time of year from Advent to Christmas to Epiphany to Baptism Sunday. It's, it's much like a modern soap opera, I think. You know how in television soap operas, um, one day there's a baby and the next day it's a grown person. <laughs> or somebody dies, but they come back later, right? I mean, you know, we got something going on in the Christian church. We've got this down, right? Because it, just a couple of days ago, it feels like, Jesus was born, and then a couple of days later, the Magi came, and then now Jesus is fully adult. Well, we, we think maybe he was about 30 years old when he appears on the scene now to meet John the Baptist at the edge of the Jordan. So, I mean, you know, kind of like the soap operas, right? I think it is, anyway. But, you know, really, what we need to think about is that this idea of beloved child, it's actually very ancient. In the First Testament, God speaks to the patriarch Abraham referring to Isaac as your only son whom you love. Then for today, the assigned First Testament scripture today is from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And that's where we hear the prophet say on God's behalf, you are precious in my sight. And the writer of the Gospel of Luke draws on all this ancient language in this story of Jesus' baptism. We hear the voice of God speak, saying, You are my own. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So I want to roll the camera back a few, a few stories. I want to go back to that Sunday in Advent when John the baptizer appears in the wilderness preaching a gospel of repentance. It doesn't seem to fit with the coming of Christmas, but that's what we get in the church calendar. Uh, actually, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, with meta meaning change, and noia, meaning mind. Change your minds, John the Baptist preaches. And as a sign of all of that, as a sign of all of that, is a visible sign of baptism. An immersion in water, a washing, if you will, is the sign. And, and, and it really means, for John at least, Make a complete shift. Reorient your life. I mean, this is, 
an important thing here. And, and the only thing was that in those days, baptism was really reserved for new converts, for Gentiles who were new converts to Judaism. Washing was used. And, but John goes on and calls the children of Abraham to undergo baptism along with the Gentiles because conversion is needed by everybody. John preaches that a new day, a new era is at hand. So change your minds. Change your hearts. Change your lives. Be baptized because God is drawing near. Sounds like good, to, good news to me. I don't know about y'all. Sounds like pretty good news. So good so far, right? But John also continues saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. I'm not feeling so good right now about that. I mean, suddenly it seems like there's some kind of payment for not being baptized. I mean, there's some kind of punishment for not reorienting and making this change. So what should we make of John's remark that Jesus will come with his winnowing fork in his hand and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire? Ouch. I mean, sounds like to me that old sermon that we've heard all of us in our lives. Some people get in, some people don't. You want to get in. But really, that's a misinterpretation of the metaphor John is using. John is using a metaphor, the, the wheat and the gathering of the grain into the granary. You see, every grain of wheat has a husk. And farmers, even today, use wind to separate the husks or the chaff from the actual grain. The goal of this winnowing being to save every grain possible. Not to separate the good grain from the bad grain, to save all the grain. So John's metaphor of the wheat becomes one that is about preservation and sanctification, which is being made holy. It's not about division. I know it must occur to you now that I've been talking a lot about John, but this is really baptism someday, and it's really about the baptism of Jesus. And, and we're called today to remember that baptism and to celebrate it. And we're called today to remember our own baptisms and celebrate it. So let's do that now. As if on cue, Jesus appears on the banks of the Jordan. And you might think that's sort of magical and mystical, but actually it's more likely that there were a lot of people going out into the wilderness to meet and, 
meet John and hear him preach and, and be baptized. There were a lot of people who were curious. Even the religious leaders of the day were curious about what John was doing, and, and so it is more likely that Jesus came along with everybody else. Let me tell you something. For years upon years upon years, since the beginning of the Christian church, people have been arguing about whether Jesus needed to be baptized or not. I mean, in fact, if he was indeed the child of God, the Holy One, and was so pure in heart and mind and soul and body that he was considered sinless, then why on earth did he have to be baptized? People talk about this all the time, argue about it. Yet here is Jesus, the one whom we will hear God say to this one, you are my own, my beloved. And this Jesus gets right in line. Do you get it? Jesus gets in line with all of those present that day, all of those who felt that they had fallen short of the glory of God, that they hadn't had the metanoia, that they hadn't changed, that they hadn't been reoriented, that they hadn't been restored, and so they get in line. In short, Jesus gets in line with us, with you and me, the great preacher Fred Craddock, may his memory be a blessing, once called attention to the extraordinarily stunning power of two little words in our gospel reading today. Jesus also. Jesus also went to be baptized. It is an expression of astonishing humility astonishing solidarity. It is an expression of the holiness of the incarnation, that in Jesus God comes alongside us, even to the point of joining us in a rite of repentance and renewal. And I believe what is equally astonishing is this story in that Jesus, child of God, holy one, could have done something completely different. I mean, after all, with all that he was, all the power that he contained, he could have chosen to laud his role over John the Baptist. He could have chosen to place himself above everyone else at the riverside, but that's not what happened. Instead, even before Jesus spends time in the desert, even before he is confronted with his inner and outer demons in an effort to discern his great calling, Jesus knows exactly who he is. Jesus is clear about God's call and claim upon his life. And as he did at the end, when he could have come down from the cross, he chose instead with great humility and solidarity with all humanity to love instead of hate, to forgive instead of judge, to hope instead of despair, and so doing, chose over the death that was before him, eternal life. And it is when Jesus fulfills his authentic purpose of responding to God's call and claim upon his life that the heavens open and the dove descends and the voice of God proclaims, you are my own, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. 
fascinating. Now, I think you've probably watched the news enough to know that um, in 2021, Mark Zuckerberg announced a new branding for Facebook called Meta. Isn't that fascinating? Meta, Noya, Meta. Now, this new branding included the fact that Meta would usher in a new metaverse, like universe, a new universe, a new technological universe. This metaverse will focus on building simulation, get the, this is just mind-blowing, simulation in which people interact as avatars in real time. <laughs> well, you know, I find this fascinating given our Bible story, for, Bible story for today in which we are called to be part of a metanoia, a changing, a shifting, a renewing. We are being called into a new beginning, a change of heart, mind, and soul that will draw us close in relationship to God. And here's the thing, when you look upon the face of God, or look upon, it is like looking upon your reflection in the water. Because we carry within us the divine image. And the closer we get to God, the more we see ourselves. This relationship between humanity and God, shown to us in the life and baptism, death, and resurrection of Jesus, seems to me to be the real metaverse the real, authentic life that we seek. A life in which we are named and claimed by God and called by God to be the presence of authentic, humble, and saving, loving relationship with others. Our baptisms and the remembrance of our baptisms call upon us to consider that in this sacramental act, all our impurities are removed. The anxieties, our self-absorption, our apathy, our greed, our fears, our doubts, our disappointments, our angers, our sorrows, go on. We can list it forever, but in this act, this sacramental act, we are reminded that we are to be more generous. that we are to be fair, that we are to be respectful. We get this chance today, and for that matter, for every day, to remember that each of us requires restoration, liberation from whatever husks are holding us back. And sure enough, you might know it, the writer of the Gospel of Luke and Acts tells us that the wind will come and the fire will come because this is the work of the Spirit, not to divide and destroy, but to connect and sanctify and purify and challenge and restore and empower us all. Jesus' baptism is a powerful reminder that arrogance has no place in the Christian life. Even if Jesus gladly undergoes the rite of conversion, how much more might we live humble, unpretentious lives of conversion as we too remember our baptisms. 
In fact, following Jesus means setting out with him on this path of humility and solidarity and compassion and grace, a way of love with which God is well pleased. This Baptism Sunday is a time for us to remember we are part of the body of Christ and not just and, and, and to remember that it's not just to Jesus that God says, you are my beloved child. As God has for centuries, God says to us, you and me, I have called you by name. You are mine. And here on this day, we get to remember that God calls anyone who would seek to follow, who would seek to follow Jesus the Beloved, not into a life of presumption or arrogance, but into a life of humility and solidarity, unassuming generosity, and always gladly embracing the Spirit's sanctifying and restoring and empowering renewal. That first lesson reminded us that in our baptism, we have hope. We have the hope in this day that will be proclaimed when we come to the Easter celebration. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed, and you and I are called by God into this marvelous light and life. Thanks be to God. Amen.